Hey everybody, welcome to Killer Serials. I am Tony Jones. And I am Ryan Parker. Hey, and we're two quote-unquote white guys. No, we're, we're Don't white even guys. Don't put the quotes on that. Are you kidding me? We are two very white guys. We're just going to say that for this series. We are, as Donald Trump would say, we are tremendously, tremendously white. <laughs> watching a tremendous black show. And we're watching a very black show called Luke Cage. Uh, we talk. We we're a couple of dudes with PhDs in in uh, theology who watch TV and talk about it every week. We are talking about Luke Cage, which is streaming on Netflix. It's a Marvel comic show uh, based on a um, a character that was uh, first written in, up by Marvel in uh, like 1972. It's now been turned into a show, part of the Marvel universe. But you know, to talk about. Luke Cage as a comic book first, you know, it really was, it was a pushback against uh, white comics. Like it, yeah. comics were too it, otherworldly. It was, it, um, it's a, it's a comic, it's a comic version socially, of exploitation. And, so, but it's also socially conscious in a way that other comic books weren't because they were, they involved superheroes who came from outer space or they were from another galaxy and, and they were fighting evils that were not of this world. And, you see uh, a series like Luke Cage, and now it's adaptation for television. Doing that is very this worldly, uh, responding to the problems of the day. So, you know, it's been a it's it's a good series. Yeah, a little recap of yeah, where we've been. Yeah, why don't you recap? Yeah, I mean, I think episodes three and four because you know, I, 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 I found episode three to be kind of a what 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 do you call a transition episode or a, like yeah. it's kind of a setup. Ep- gives us a little bit more reason to hate Cottonmouth kind of thing. And then episode four really goes deep into backstory. Well, we had to, you know, and we're counting on the folks that are watching along as, or have already binged it, which I wish I had because I'm, I'm anxiously, anxiously awaiting the next episode. So at the end of episode two, we now know Pops has died, right? On a hit, on a, one of Cottonmouth's guys took him out, uh, shooting up the barbershop, something Cottonmouth didn't want done. So episode three, like you say, it really is a it, it really is kind of a bridge in a way. The inciting incident, so to speak, with Pop's death really sets Luke on a path in episode three, where he is getting back at Cottonmouth and hitting him where it hurts with his money and busting up these safe houses and really forcing Cottonmouth into a corner. But we realize that he has inside help too on the police force. Um, we see that at the end of episode three. So yeah. we, we learn a little bit more about the the way Cottonmouth's working and the folks that he's working with. But really, we do get to revel in Luke's physical abilities and his superpowers as he busts up these safe houses. And I tell you, you think back on um, Daredevil, for example. Marvel series love a hallway fight scene. And there's a lot of them in episode three. That's and interesting. They're, they're done really well. And I think there's something really cool about the confined spaces of a hallway and, and Luke kind of letting his powers out and using that space, punching through walls and using pipes to, to beat down people and stuff like that. So we see his powers on display. And then episode four, which I think for both of us is far more intriguing, is 
a little bit of his backstory. Well, a lot of his backstory. We learned that he was a cop. His name is Carl Lucas, wrongfully detained at Seagate Prison, and really uh, explores his relationship with Reva. And we ultimately see how he gets his powers, which is through this experiment that went awry, uh, which was really to try to save his life. He had become part of a, had been kind of co-opted into or forced into this prison fighting system. And as he wants to break out of that, um, he realizes that he can't escape. And the guard yeah, sets his goons on him. Uh, you know, this is where we meet Shades and Comanche. Well, at least yeah. we learn a little bit about their backstory. That's where Luke knows them from. And there's some there, there's some subtlety in this series, but the, I'd say episode four is not particularly subtle because he's basically forced into blackmailed into this fight club and fighting for this white guard. Slavery. And and he basically refers to it as you know he's like hey this the guard one of the uh, probably the senior guard in the prison says you know, this is a good deal yeah and Luke whose name at the time is Carl says slavery is always That's, a good deal for the owner yeah for the master for the master yeah. yeah and then there but but later when he's trying to kind of rationalize why he has been in this fight club he says sometimes survival costs yeah you know, sometimes survival has a price yeah. and the price for him to survive has been basically to beat the living crap out of anybody that they've put in front of him yeah and it's interesting, there's some, but you know, a lot of the things, as you said, there aren't so subtle, a lot of the elements in the episode four, but one of the things, I think it is a good commentary on the prison system, and we can talk about this later um, going forward, is the way in which it makes nonviolent people violent. And this fight game is is really kind of an explicit reference to that. Yeah. I, because for all of his, all of his strength and his size and He's a physically strong person before his, he gains his powers, you know, but we don't get the sense that he is in prison for anything violent, right? He says, I talked to the wrong people, right? I trusted the wrong people. And, and he's, he's, a, he's a, as he is in the kind of the present day, he is a reluctant fighter. Yeah. Now, one, one thing that I thought was interesting was they don't have him, it's very much set in the modern day because you know his his compatriot in the prison is reading like an old copy of People magazine, Ro uh, Rolling Stone, Stone where with Lisa Bonet on the cover, and he's like, "Man, there's some new ladies you need to know about." And he's kind of you know talking about tells him about Beyonce and things Rihanna, like this. Yeah. You know, it, there there is just one interesting flashback that's for the comic book nerds, and that is when he breaks out of the scientific experiment gone wrong. And he starts, he puts on these, he grabs these clothes off a clothesline. Like a yellow blouse. That looks like the, looks like the outfit that Luke Cage wore in, in the, the initial in the, yeah. comic book. And he's so got the great. headband and he's yeah. wearing the headband. And then he sees himself in a car window and he's like, you look ridiculous. And no, takes that. You, he says, you look like a damn fool. Yeah. So it's, so uh, great. it's clever. It's fun. And yeah. Hey, so um, now that we've recapped episodes three and four, there was one thing that I think is interesting um, that was brought up to me by a friend, Anthony Smith, who I think I, I you know, Ryan, you and I talked to him about this, and we're going to get him on the podcast in the future. I just thought it was interesting earlier when, you know, before Pop's death, when Pop asks Luke, 
where are you from? And Luke says, oh, I'm from Chicago. And he says, no, you're not. Where are you actually from? Oh, I'm from, I think he says South Carolina, something like that. I asked Anthony, who's a pastor and activist in North Carolina, like, what's going on there? What's that all about? And he said, that is, that's basically code language for the difference between Malcolm X and kind of Northern African-American resistance to white patriarchy versus MLK and South and the South uh, resistance in the Southern states. And, you know, MLK versus Malcolm X, very different in that MLK preached nonviolence. MLK met with the president of the United States. You know, MLK in some ways tried to work within the system, although obviously he upset the system a great deal. Malcolm X was quite a bit more radical and um, advocated violence. And what's interesting, when after he told me that, and I was like, oh, that's what Pop was getting at with Luke, was was trying to kind of suss out, like, why are you so basically nonviolent? Why do you let people push you around? Because up here in Harlem, that's not how it goes. And then, you know, you think about the opening credits of the show, and three times it shows a street sign for Malcolm X Boulevard. And mm-hmm. never once does it show Martin Luther King Boulevard, mm-hmm. you know, in that in the opening sequence. So I just thought that that was an interesting thing that uh, a friend of mine brought up that I, I wanted to raise up. And I also now want to do something that is very special for us. And that is to introduce to the podcast for the first time on Killer Serials, one of our one of my best friends, uh, a pastor, a podcaster an activist, and just an all-around good guy, Jay Baker. Hey, Jay Baker. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's it feel like to be on a podcast, Jay? Uh, Do you have any idea what that's like? No, it's really fascinating. <laughs> I know where the voices are coming from. I'm sure you love being... It's, it's, now it's a podcast of three white guys talking about like the blackest... It just keeps getting worse. Yeah, I, mean, I guess... Yeah, that makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> well, we're here to make you feel as comfortable as possible, Jay. I, I love Marvel comics, and I love the I love the show. Well, as long as I've known you, I've known you're a big comic book guy, and and Ryan is too. So I think you know we, we're talking about episodes three and four, and that episode four is the backstory, which is so important to every superhero in every comic so anyway i I, i'm gonna sit back and listen to you guys chat about that a little bit i I guess i was one of the things i was kind of curious about is his origin was is it linked to the incredible hulk at all do you know no i mean not in the show so far or do you mean in general just in general he becomes so strong in that in in that strange device isn't he that's a good parallel to draw with the the kind of the scientific experiment gone wrong yeah, like what's this? There's a Marvel Cinematic Universe that that Luke Cage lives within, mm-hmm. right? And isn't it include Agents of Shield? Yes, Daredevil, yes. Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, the Defenders, and there's and, and the Avengers, and all of them are included yeah. in that. And the, and the big thing they because it always goes back to is what really launches. It seems to launch this iteration of that universe is the event, right? And Avengers of the the kind of that space invasion. Yeah, and that's that's uh, I think that's the interesting part about it is that they keep referring to the Green Man, or they do bring up Captain America being like you know t- 
telling Luke Cage he's not the Captain America of Harlem and that type of thing. So it's really interesting to see the references of other characters. It's cool as a nerd to see the whole comic book come alive. What What's the, for a total comic neophyte like me, what does it mean that this character lives within a particular universe of other characters? Does that mean... I mean, I, I can understand things like it's set in the same time. You know, <laughs> it's set in modern era or something like that. Um, I get that, you know, Batman and Superman kind of live in the same, or c- can both show up in Gotham together and, and right. uh, or sh- both show up in Metropolis or whatever. I think, but, one of the, I think one of the interesting things that it does, at least in this iteration of a, of a f- kind of a fantastical universe, is it tests the limits of morality and responsibility. And there's a line, I think it's in episode five or six, so I'm jumping ahead a little bit, and we'll come back to it in the next podcast, where there's something talking about, you know, the police don't mean anything anymore because of these superheroes being around, right? There's a cert- There's almost this kind of, I guess you could have this simultaneous kind of triumphalism and kind of this defeated way of being in the world because of, you know, the evil forces that are out there are so much bigger than anything you could possibly. It's one thing to have a war on drugs. It's another to have a war on the Chitari, you know, <laughs> but then at the same time, you know, you have these people there who can fight those battles for you, whether they want to or not is, is another question, but I think it puts, it puts a different perspective on the universe. I mean, you definitely see the cops temptation to lose, you know, to just let Luke Cage do their job or let other superheroes do their job which would be tempting and in a fantasy world we a lot of us would probably prefer that um it is strange because you see the conversations and they're having to handle it so delicately because you know the superheroes have changed everything so i mean it's to be human doesn't mean the same thing i guess what's the only thing that's probably a bummer is that they don't have mutants in this world at least yet and, that's a good. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, explain because, that to me. Explain. I, yeah, I don't understand. that's a great point. How, how is so? Luke Cage is They're not, not a born mutant. with their. He's not born with his abilities. That's what. It, that's the definition of a mutant. Yeah, well, me, yeah, mutants mutated. Uh, mutation happens. They're born with it, and it's a part of evolution. But but What's Superman your, is not a mutant. No, Superman is from DC Comics. He's an alien. He's, no, I get. Yeah, he's from DC, but. I mean, this it's interesting what what you guys are saying here about the. Uh, and again, I'm just asking as a total comic like neophyte. Alien. But like, <laughs> when I mean, I'm thinking of Superman, okay? But okay. if when Superman shows up in the movie, in the Superman movies, people are like, "Who is this guy who can do these things?" They don't have a frame of reference for a superhero. But you're saying that into this Marvel Cinematic Universe, where Luke Cage dwells along with Jessica Jones and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. People do, like regular civilians, muggles or whatever, have oh they, they like have a frame of reference and they understand that superheroes are part of the world they live in? Yeah, because remember when the Avengers happened? No. The, okay, the Avengers movie. Did you see the Avengers movie? I can't remember. I think Tony, you did. There's you an alien attack on Earth, and the Avengers end up fighting, and that's Captain America. And oh, Thor. yeah, yeah. I saw that, and the guy with the bow and arrow. and Yeah. yeah. 
So this has all happened already. And so everyone knows about the Avengers. That's the shadow uh, under which all these stories take place. Okay. And Tony, what's where I think it's an important distinction that Jay's making because it, it would add another layer. And I think Luke Cage's race does that a little bit here, uh, is that you have all of the heroes of the Avengers are created or they're otherworldly. Uh, where if you have someone who's a mutant, you have someone that's, uh, Jade, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but is kind of quote unquote born here, but with these different abilities that mark them as an outsider or something other than, than your, your average American, so to speak. Well, like Stan Lee, when he originally wrote the X-Men, it was kind of a reflection on the civil rights era. And so, you know, Professor X was supposed to be the MLK character and Magneto was supposed to be um, more like Malcolm Malcolm X. X. And so you, they've always had awareness of what was going on and comic books have always were able to say things that other people, you know, other genres may not have been saying at the time. And then when, when the movies came out, it kind of, it it kind of went over to what LGBTQ people were going through. That's right. Versus, you know, oh, yeah. So that's okay, you know, but the but idea. the but the X Men do not dwell in this same cinematic universe. Not yet. No, they're the different. They're owned by a different movie company. So and a di- different plane of existence, Tony. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. That's what I'm trying to sort out here because you hear Marvel and you think both Avengers and X Men. Sure. And and maybe everybody else on the planet already gets this, but so the X Men would never cross paths with the Avengers, but the Avengers would cross paths with Luke Cage or Jessica Jones. Right, and well, Spider Man just recently crossed is an Avenger now. So yeah, anything. And does this any, happen in, in comic universe, books? This, this ha- Jay, are you saying this happens in comic books? So that's why you, then you uh, then it happens in the cinematic universe. No, after- it's it's just because Fox Studio owns half of the Marvel characters and Marvel studios owns another half of the characters. So they have to work together. And so in order to get Spider-Man into the last Avengers film, they had to work together. Tony, I think, and, and Jay, I don't know if you know this book, but I'm going to get a little nerdy here for a second, but there's a, a relatively new book out called the new mutants superheroes and the radical imagination of American comics by this professor from university of Wisconsin by the names of Ramsey Fawaz. And it's probably the best academic uh, pop culture book I've ever read. Um, and he looks at the history of of uh, American comics and especially comics with mutants in them. And so he dot- devotes an entire chapter to uh, the Green Lantern and Luke Cage, not not mutants, but uh, but superheroes. Uh, and he calls them heroes that give a damn. Yeah. And he looks at how the Cage were commentaries on the, the plight of urban communities in like the 1970s and 80s, and it was commentary on on the, the social conflict there. And he makes some fantastic points about that and situa- situating that in the history of American comics because your heroes are now not other otherworldly superheroes, but they're people who are here from the streets, so to speak. Our problems are not aliens invading. Uh, it's police brutality, it's drug addiction, it's whatever. Um, and I think where you see a little bit of that preserved in Luke Cage that I don't think you see in things like Daredevil or Jessica Jones, uh, where there seems to be a concern for 
the conversations that we're having kind of culturally and politically. I think there's something going on with Jessica Jones and feminism, for example, but but larger political conversations, I think, are on the table in Luke Cage in the way that they aren't in other recent series that we've had. And Luke Cage is, is what's strange about it, too, is that it's tackling all these um, uh, huge issues, and I think it's approachable for everyone. And I yeah. love the fact that it's it's just a solid show and that, you know, most of the leads are even in it are female leads. Um, yeah. You know, so it's not just African-American, but it's female leads. And I, I love the fact that I feel like Marvel Comics and, and people like that are really taking that and, and, and making us realize, like, you know, who our heroes can be. And I think that's something Marvel Comics always did. I mean, you know, Spider-Man wasn't like... Clark Kent, you know, he was insecure. He was a nerd. And uh, later they would kind of make Clark Kent more like Spider-Man, actually. You know, and he did. He, he had superpowers, but they weren't, you know, like undestructible. So Marvel's always tried to take... I'm more of a DC man, I'll admit. But Marvel has always been more of a reality-based, I think, comic as far mm-hmm. as trying to to stay in touch with, you know, what's going on in the time, trying to be, you know... Keep the fantasy with the reality of life. I, yeah, I well, mean, I, there's, I, I've seen online that there's John Ridley has been working on some new Marvel property that takes even the, the socially conscious nature of like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and makes makes it even more more so. Well, and you're going to have another. I don't know what direction they're going to go with it, but the team, the creative team behind Fargo, which they've just put together these incredible seasons of that series. You know, are looking at Legion, which is another Marvel series that's going to start in January. That seems to be uh, going in a very smart direction too. I think you see, and um, uh, back to Jay's point about kind of being the this kind of the this worldly narrative of Marvel series holds here with Luke Cage, especially in Episode Four that we've talked about a little bit already, and his backstory and being so uh, taking place so long in the prison system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony, I know that's something that really drew your attention to. Yeah. I, well, I wanted to ask you this, Jay. Um, in episode four, it's the backstory yeah. and it's very kind of thinly veiled view of the American prison system as basically a new kind of slavery for African American men, you know, in which this, the white guard who's kind of the head, head honcho guy, yeah, um, is basically. You know, basically um, force blackmails, you know, Luke into fighting for him so he can make money. So Luke basically becomes a slave of, of a new, you know, of a new sort. And but I'm just wondering, what was your take on that? I mean, we can get more into into this and it, kind of the socially conscious nature of that. But like, what's your take as a comic book guy on Luke Cage's backstory and how it's portrayed in episode four of this show. I think it was done well. I like the idea. Well, I mean, the fact that he's a policeman, so, you know, and they make that clear that he's an ex-cop. So automatically he's an outsider within the outsiders, you know, and he doesn't belong in the system. You know, some of it's a little, you know, origin stories, I you know, are somewhat predictable. But because I, I hadn't read Luke Cage's origin story, I was really, you know, I, I was really excited about it. And I thought, you know, the prison system, I mean, I, I mean, my dad was in prison for five years and, you know, seeing how guards 
you know, can play with their prisoners. I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't seem like a far stretch. I mean, of course, the meta, you know, medical testing and things like that, again, probably isn't that far off, but it, it, it seemed to take him as a, a as a Christ-like character of turn the other cheek because he had every reason he was beat, you know, killed and resurrected. And so, you know, you kind of have this Christ figure of, uh, of a hero and who comes back and says, you know, I have a, you know, going to love my enemy and I'm going to just, you know, I'll rebuke my enemy in public, kind of like Jesus did with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting how they've uh, kind of taken this kind of Luke Cage and Christ thing, you know, and almost like Luke Cage before he was, you know, almost like Jesus. And now post-prison, he's like the Christ. There's the implication there, Jay, that uh, when, when he says, there's the implication of him not doing something not playing along with the system that kind of gets him thrown in prison in the first place. Right. Uh, and not a violent crime, but that he, he refuses to, to talk or to do so. Anyway, uh, there, there is that kind of, he seems to be a peaceful figure. He's not in prison because he shot somebody. Right. No, he's, uh, in, he's been wrongly accused or he's been framed for something. Yeah. And Tony, you'll remember talking to Anthony and, and this is definitely why we have to have him come back on and is talking about a, kind of a little teaser here that, that tension between high and low Christology that we see on display with the, with Luke's character. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony tied that in a little bit too with MLK versus Malcolm X and stuff like that. It's fascinating. And I think there's another, there's another point too about the prison system, Jay, that you were talking about that, you know, some of the things might not, might not currently be uh, in place, but that may, may not seem too far off. I mean, if you start scratching at it, doing just a little bit of research into the kind of private prison system here in the United States, and most recently you can look at something like Ava DuVernay's documentary, The 13th, on Netflix, which is just really blown up kind of in pop culture, that's pointing out the, these abuses. The show, I think with Luke Cage, there's even added depth to, to his backstory as something that's completely relevant to today. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I found interesting too um not to continue to bring back my own background, but I will. Um, my dad was in a medical, a prison that was also a medical facility. And, um, you know, that's something you don't often see in, in, uh, prison shows is like, there are also medical facilities. There's also, uh, you know, psychology happening. And there was a lot of that going on. So it really brought back a lot of memories, uh, for me as a, as a kid, uh, hearing all these stories about, you know, my dad's visiting the hospital and the medical wards in the hospital and, you know, all the psychiatry and counseling and things that, that were, were happening in, in, in the hospital and the, and the, you know, they would have groups, like, you know, psychiatric groups would meet together, but also how unfair people were treated. Even when they were dead, they were taken out shackled and kind mm-hmm. of just the unjust strangeness mm-hmm. of the prison system. I mean, how they treated family members was awful when family members hadn't done anything. So, yeah. You've got so many injustices, or injustices, I don't know if that's the right word, but so many horrible things going on in in Luke Cage. It's exposing so many different horrible systems that it's kind of the perfect storm. And I like it, but that's what I think why I like it better than Daredevil or Jessica Jones. I think they've just, uh, it's the perfect time for this hero to come back. Um, I think Luke Cage sat in, you know, in the background for a long time, and I'm really happy that they decided to say, you know, let's bring him forward. And it's 
the timing is impeccable, and I'm I'm sure some of that was planned. But at the same time, you know, I know they were planning this whole group, and he was a part of that group. So I'd be interested to see how much of this just happened by accident, and how much of this was uh, was was purposely sought out to kind of you know grasp the messages that we're dealing with, and hopefully to you know because I've even heard people are upset about the Luke Cage show, saying that it's too black or too this or too that. And uh, I've always found that upsetting because it's like, you know, how, I, how is that? Because to me, it's just another great show. Nobody's ever complained. I mean, yeah, those people are never complaining about shows being too fill in the blank, anything else. Right. You know? So, I mean, once again, the show makes a clear statement of it, it exposes the racism it is, you know, that's already, that's already there. I mean, I was from LK said, you know, I'm not here to cause trouble. We just exposing the trouble that already exists. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thank God for Luke Cage. <laughs> yeah. yeah Tony, what a, you got? That, well, I think that's a great place, uh, to leave it because I mean, there's obviously we could go on and on, but the, the, there's a lot there. And uh, Jay, it's just great to have you on. I hope you'll come back, especially as we, Keep, keep talking about this show that's you know comes from a comic book because it's such a love and specialty of yours and obviously issues of justice have been a hallmark of your ministry for two decades you know so i i appreciate your friendship but i really appreciate you coming on here too and mm-hmm. and talking to us about it and tell all your people man to i will I'm listen to, to killer serials no there's more nerds out there doing stuff <laughs> for sure and that's how right. to, 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 to tag to, to pulled you in tony yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna make him a, we're gonna make him a comic book he's gonna have a pull list at his local comic book store before the end of the series hey yeah it's, we need to so comic book college is calling you yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well our special guest this week on killer serials has been jay baker jay for being a guest on this show you'll get a link to our podcast that you wow. can post on your Facebook page, and maybe I'll buy you. Maybe I'll buy you a uh, an omelet at the Uptown Diner. How about yes, that? That's, that that's our guest. That's that's the special gift we have for our if guest. You live, on this if you live in the Minneapolis area, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Killer Serials. We will be back next week to talk about episodes five and six of Luke Cage. Take care. Take my advice, brother. You should be out there helping people like them other fellas downtown. Reaper used to say the same thing. Yeah, well, she was right.
few doors in the projects, and now you Harlem zero. <laughs> I'm just getting started. Tip, Jimmy, Jimmy, y'all.